Hi, James. Hello, Gabby. <laughs> uh, so we have big, big news that you've been vaccinated. Yeah, I've been vaccinated first Moderna vax. Um, and you hunted it down. Like you were, I remember for like a week we were talking and you were like after it, you know, like you were trying to find it. Uh, so tell us the story of the vaccination and how you feel and everything. So I, yeah, so the whole vax hunting thing started because my aunt in Tucson sent me a link and was like, I think this relates to you. It's a Facebook group for vaccine hunters in your area. And I kind of was like, all right. Did she say vaccine hunters? She used that term? I mean, the group is called like vax hunters. No way. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love that. Yeah. And so I was kind of. (laughs) drawn in by the name actually because it felt so underground and kind of like heist movie-ish which I love all heist movie um, themes so I looked in it and then immediately I was sort of pulled into this just wormhole of it just felt like looking for a lottery ticket is really what it felt like looking for like the golden Mm. ticket and I was in it for like a week and I also was simultaneously looking at places to live and so it was a weird, mm. like all of last week and the sort of week and a half was this weird thing where I was either looking at places on hot pads or looking at vaccines. And so my mind space was like really just, you know, somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the group's information was kind of repetitive. Like there were a couple places that Chris and I agreed we didn't want to go to because we didn't want to go to communities that we felt were underserved and we didn't want to take vaccines from underserved communities. And a lot of the places on this Vax Hunter site were like, go to this spot. Like, don't worry about it. Donate later, you know? So yeah, go to South Central. Yeah. Take an Uber. Don't use their parking. Okay. You know? And I just kind of was like, this is not where my conscious leads me. So I ended up calling like, I saw that. I will say I did see content, um, like infographics on Instagram about that, about in LA there was, um, I think it was in South Central, but or Lamar Park or something. There was like uh, a place that was giving extra vac, like they had extra vaccines at the end of the day, and they would mm-hmm. be giving them out. And then a lot of um, people from like different neighborhoods drove in to like get them, and it was a lot of like white people and people not from the. And then they made a rule where they were like only like black and brown locals can get these extra vaccines. And I was like, yeah, I mean neighborhood vibes yeah absolutely and I actually (laughs) saw that conversation on vax hunters where they're like this place is no longer giving out vaccines unless you live in the zip code (laughs) yeah which I think is probably fair the way to go absolutely (coughs) and I actually missed I missed a day on the the Facebook page and I guess there was this huge like woke fight about what was what was right and what was wrong and then one of the admins what were were people saying people were just talking basically (laughs) saying like going i'll just say the name of the place it's because it's easier but this place called kendron which is where a lot of people are going to Mm. they were like going there is wrong you know like just the whole like very basic fight of why are you going in this community when you don't ever go there any other time except to take Mm -hmm. a resource and um so different people are sharing well said yeah (laughs) um so people were sharing (laughs) different articles and then someone was like one of the admins said it was a pleasure (laughs) adminning this group before today (laughs) actually it's pretty crazy because this is definitely it's a private group so he lets people in i'll leave because i don't need it anymore but he lets people in on the basis of if they need the vaccine or not 
And so mm. there's a set of like community guidelines and stuff. So I was on this this thing and I felt so drained by it. Like I really felt and this is kind of an interesting like spiritual energetic lesson as well. Like I felt really drained by it. I didn't like really take anything that much from what people were saying in like information wise. And so I had a, a set of um, pharmacies that I would call every single night right before they closed in my area. And um, none of them ever had anything. <laughs> and um, and so that was sort of what I was doing. And I kind of thought, OK, I'm I can't do this every night. It's taking up like an hour of my time at least, which is a long time to be on the phone. How did the pharmacies react? Like, would you call and were they surprised that you were asking or did it sound like you were like the 50th caller? Like, how did that feel? Well, the, OK, so it's funny because the, the first time I approached a pharmacy, Chris and I went there like on foot. And we went to the one that's by like the Beverly Center. And um, I walked up and actually we drove over and I played Drake in the car and I was hyping myself up. And I had like decided that today was the day we were both getting vaccines, which looking back is so naive. <laughs> and so I pull up to the um, the pharmacy and I, I'm looking for a parking space and I drive up to the door and I say, Chris, get out of the car. <laughs> this is the mindset that I was in you guys I'm really that's just my Aries like coming out where I'm just like <laughs> go after something with yeah, a passion frenzy. yeah and so Chris was totally, like totally. get out of the car okay <laughs> he gets out of the car <laughs> I park the car like 30 seconds later because there's a space right there and he, I, he's like walking towards me <laughs> and I'm like what are you doing go inside and he's like I don't know what we're doing here like you need to tell me what to do <laughs> Oh my god! And I realized that I had—that's really funny. I hadn't conveyed the plan at all. I just had the plan in my head. Yeah, you just were like, "Get in the getaway car." Yeah. That's very you. I know. I love that. And so then we walked up. <laughs> get in the getaway car and then get out of it. <laughs> You'll know what to do. <laughs> There's no time to explain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So basically, we walked up to the pharmacy, and the girl was so nice, and she basically was extremely casual. Had like beautiful false eyelashes on above her mask. And I should love seeing that. I know, I know, I know. And so she was like, oh, we don't stop doing vaccinations until nine at night. So call. She was like, you can call every single night if you want. Um, and maybe we'll have an extra dose. But because she was so nice with that first time when I was like literally mm -hmm. shaking going up to talk to her and I made Chris like buy Allegra D mm -hmm. to like break the ice. <laughs> I was like, we need Allegra. And also one more thing. Like, and it <laughs> yeah like you're like i'm casually here i didn't just yeah. drive here and shove my boyfriend out of the right. car that's really funny it's insane wow. so when she told you to call is that what started your like phone banking journey yes because i was like okay this one person was receptive i'm just gonna extend my web a little bit and weirdly everyone was like pretty chill about it there was one pharmacy that i would call in like a pretty wealthy area and the girl every time it was a different person every time was like no 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 no, no, no. And it would basically hang up on me. She was like, Kim Kardashian took all of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah. And it was really frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> so it was pretty much a fruitless search. And so as of Sunday, I was totally burnt out. I have quite a few deadlines this week, writing wise. And so I was like, this isn't sustainable for my work either. Um, and so I made up a system. I was like, I'm either going to get the vaccine on Monday because I set up an appointment for Chris because he's actually el eligible now. 
I set up an appointment for mm. Chris and I was like, I'm going to go with him in the morning and then go with my dad at night because both of them were supposed to have appointments. Um, and I'm going to ask those people and I'll be with someone. If I can't get a vaccine with them, I'll volunteer, which I don't really have time for. But I was like, I will make the time to yeah, do and this. For those of you who don't know, there was a deal that they were offering where if you volunteered at a vaccine site, your gift in return would be a vaccine. And I had a friend actually do that. Her and her boyfriend did that. They volunteered at Dodger Stadium and then got vaccines at the end of the job. But at, but at Dodgers, they don't tell you that you can get it, but you have to – you go on a short mm. a short wait list and you're basically guaranteed. But it's not like mm. – it's not advertised at Dodgers. Yeah. So it's more of like a word of mouth kind of Correct. thing. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Vax hunting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you kind of are like, I'm going to – go with the guys that got the in yeah so you know this is very guest listy you know maybe if I just show up with the guy in the band they'll just usher me in I know um (laughs) and so so then it sort of starts to deteriorate because and so I well first of all I find a system I find peace I'm like I need to just I had to go all the way to the dark side to really discover the fact that I can't waste my time I'm you know (laughs) gonna give myself this moment and I'm gonna move on and so I then Chris (laughs) realizes he never got a confirmation email and so he was like maybe the appointment Mm. didn't go through maybe there was a computer glitch and Mm. and so we had this whole conversation and he was like I was like you should just still try to go still try to go I'll come with you and then he said okay okay and then he went off to work I then take my friend who just got vaccinated a smoothie (laughs) and we start talking (laughs) about my system and she says, okay, sure, yeah, that's a good system. Later that night, she knows that I'm still looking, right? So she's had me in her mind mm-hmm. as as someone who's looking for a vaccine. But I've now released on the frenzy of it and, like, moved into sort of the more non-attachment phase of desire. Mm-hmm. And this is really when all things fall into place. And this is something that is always, like, affirmed to me in these mm-hmm. moments because she sent me this email that another friend had sent her boyfriend so not even like a direct email that was a list of places <laughs> some of which I already knew about most of which I already knew about to be honest and then another place um that I already knew about but with a, a caveat that was basically like if you get there from on Monday or Friday they open at eight and they give vaccines to the first hundred people no questions asked mm. so so I was like, oh, okay, well, this is new information, but it's also very far away. Mm-hmm. It's in the middle of the desert. And I think part of why they do this is because it's not a very populated area. And so they mm-hmm. have, like, they probably have the the stock that most people don't have in the city. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, okay, okay. Well, I can't drive out there alone. I'm not going to do that. And you basically would have to get mm-hmm. there at, at 530 at the latest to get a spot. Which means leaving LA at what four a.m. Still dark out. Yeah, you'd have to wake up at four, leave leave by four fifteen, four thirty. So, mm-hmm. so I was like, all right, maybe <laughs> I'll go. Maybe I'll stick with my plan, and I'll if it if my plan doesn't work, <laughs> I'll go on <laughs> Friday. And so then Chris gets home at midnight from a job, and I tell him my new information, and he half asleep on the couch is like to be honest with you it sounds easier for me to wake up in three hours and drive to Lancaster than it does to go to this vaccine site where I don't know if I have an appointment and I might have to like sweet talk someone into like convincing them that I had an appointment when I don't have a confirmation number right 
Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, if that's <laughs> how you feel, I'm not, I can't do this alone, but I will go with you. Obviously, like I want this vaccination. So we go to bed and we're like, okay, we'll wake up at four and see how it goes. I then did not sleep. <laughs> I was so wired. Because <laughs> you were excited? I was excited. It felt or like. just losing it? Well, I felt like the first day of school. You know that vibe where you're like not excited mm. and you're not nervous fully, but it's a combo like meal of those feelings. So yeah, you're like something is going to happen. Yeah, something big is happening. So then I read the Tao <laughs> of Pooh, which we will soon talk about. Um Mm-hmm. And I found this one part, I was reading it, and then this thing came up, which I felt like was a good message, where it was basically saying, like, sometimes you do things, and when you do things, they happen in the way they should happen. And I kind of was like, okay, <laughs> that feels like a, a yes for the desert. <laughs> so I literally slept for, like, probably 45 minutes. I woke up in, like, a cold sweat. <laughs> And Chris wakes up and he's like, I'm so cozy. I'm so cozy in bed. And I was like, we need to get up, Chris. Like, I haven't slept and like, (laughs) we're going to do this. You're like, grab the baby bag. Yeah. And so he gets up. We we feed Joey, walk Joey. I give her like a pillow of mine and put it on the couch. And we (laughs) roll out and get there. By the time we get there, he counts. He does, like, a vague head count. And there are, like, 50 people in line already, which is Mm. wild. We get there at 530. So you're within the 100. We are within the 100. But as the day goes on, people come. Like, their people are holding spots for people. Mm. And these two guys in front of us, Mm. they (laughs) were holding spots. And, like, literally before the last second, their girlfriends fucking roll up. And the guys put blankets around their girlfriends. And I'm like, you just need to just stick it out with everyone. <laughs> oh, like they're like, girl, you sleep in. I got this. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow, that's psycho. Meanwhile, me, like I get there at 530. I have to pee almost immediately because I just have a very small bladder. <laughs> and I have to go like leave the line and drive around and <laughs> find like a, a place that I can pee in the sidewalk. I do find something. It's in between me and like another car. And I get in the car again and the car recently hasn't been starting right away. It takes a second for the key to detect. So while I'm trying to get the key to detect, I realize that the car in front of me, there's someone inside of the car. So I just peed in front of someone essentially. <laughs> so <laughs> vaccine hunting, there's no rules. No rules, but I I'm so glad I did cuz uh did pee because I was totally good for the rest of the time. Um, anyway, so basically, <laughs> right at 7.30, right on the dot, they the line comes to life, and they start handing out numbers. So Chris and I get 62 and 63, which both um, are like three multiples, which I really liked, sort of. Um, and so, yeah, so then we just wait. So at that point, it's 7.30. Then we get the clipboards. We fill everything out. It's 8 o'clock. Then we just wait in line for another uh, two and a half hours because then they just two and a half hours from that point yeah <laughs> how did you guys entertain yourselves in line we listened to podcasts we listened with like we each had a head uh an airpod and and chris sometimes had to take calls <laughs> because like he's in the middle of like two jobs <laughs> so yeah he's always taken yeah he's always always taking calls taking calls i at one point so thought that my think my toes were freezing off so then i like went and did like a lap around the parking lot <laughs> 
Were you wearing Birkenstocks? No, I was wearing Blundstones. I just, it was just so cold. It was like extremely cold. <laughs> wow. Wait, what area is this? The it's in desert? the desert. It's in the desert in Lancaster. Mm. So it's just. It's I'm literally out there. imagining. And tell me if I'm right. I'm literally imagining like a Joshua Tree esque like landscape and like a single building and then like a line leading to the single building in like a cartoonish way. But I know that's probably not true. <laughs> kind of. It's it's sort of like Lancaster in the town center is mm, kind of like you know how Palm Springs has does have some commerce and buildings mm-hmm. and stuff. It's like is that, it that, but. Vibe? It's not Palm Springsy at all, but it's that sort of s- size, if that makes sense. It's a lot like. Is it ugly over there? Well, you know, nothing is ugly. Everything is beautiful, but it is not <laughs> commercially um, attractive. I would say. Yeah, like you weren't like there wasn't any like wonder. It was kind of just like. No, we were we were in like a <laughs> we were lined up against like a empty church that was called like Salvation Church. <laughs> <laughs> and like across the parking lot was a KFC and then a Taco Bell and a Denny's. It was like that sort of a vibe. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's all I need to hear to really, yeah, see that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so there... then we just and then it starts raining at the very last minute, the last twenty minutes of being in line. Mm. It just starts raining on us, and in in the in the majority of the time that we were there, we were underneath an um like an overhang, so we were protected from the elements. Mm. I brought umbrellas and then put them in the car because then everything cleared up. And then when we were at the point where I could not go back to the car again because we were, like, really in line, like, about to get vaccinated, mm. it just starts pouring. <laughs> <laughs> my gosh. I did not know. You guys, this is my first time hearing this story. It is, yeah. <laughs> and it's pretty crazy. I didn't tell anyone that we were doing it because I just felt like it was so wild that I couldn't share it until it like worked out you know because otherwise we I probably would have just buried it in like the folder of you know that didn't work out I don't want to talk about it (laughs) yeah no totally no I could tell by like how like into it you were yeah it's like one of those things like when you have like a big crush and you like don't want to have to ever break the news that it didn't work out absolutely keep this one to myself (laughs) absolutely yeah um okay so it rains and and then then, yeah and then you're in we go to 20 minutes later we go to a tent. They're, they've set up tents outside. And so I also, mm. I was half asleep when I got dressed and I forgot that you have to show your arm. So then I'm like pulling this thermal down to reveal my shoulder. <laughs> and the nurse is like, please, please don't tense your arm. <laughs> because I'm so cold and like. Yeah, you're like ripping it open. Yeah. Oh my God. Um <laughs> But yeah, it was crazy because then you just get the shot and you go sit in like another tent outside in a parking lot and there's no one monitoring you. have to you. wait. I didn't know this, but you have to wait, right? 15, 15 minutes. minutes to make sure you don't like faint or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Chris took another call. It was like, <laughs> and then <laughs> someone in the tent next to us left early and it was like, you've only been here six minutes and she just left. They left early from their waiting time? Because mm-hmm. they don't monitor you. Wow. They just tell you to like put a timer on your phone. Yeah, they're like protocol. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. And then okay, so how did the injection feel? How did it feel directly after and how do you feel now? It's been 24 hours, a little more than 24 hours. Yeah, so I felt definitely like woozy after it, but I also was 
exhausted. So this whole thing has been interesting because it wasn't like a normal vaccination situation and it's been hard to monitor how I feel in direct correlation to like the shot, if that makes sense, because I've just been on Mm. such low sleep. But the shot definitely hurt, but not more than like a tetanus shot, you know, like not crazy. And then my arm really hurt yesterday and now I can go like this without wincing. I'm doing I'm making a flapping motion everybody. <laughs> yeah, she's doing the chicken dance. Yes, thank you. Um <laughs> so yeah, it seems fine. I think the second shot with Moderna is mostly the one that is crazy, but um but so far when so good. When do you good. get the second shot? April 12th. They actually gave us an appointment, which is amazing because with vax hunting, a lot of Wait. times you have to find another shot. Oh my god! Wait, so you did it a month apart? Well, you have to. You have You're to. You're supposed to do yeah. it a month apart. Yeah. What? Okay, I'm learning a lot. Um, that's insane that you would have to hunt down the second one too. Because what if you don't find it? I know it's so stressful to think about. If anyone's listening from outside of the U.S., this is a very classic example of our healthcare system. I know. And kind of how the U.S. operates. I was thinking this reminds me of taxes in the sense that it's like, do your taxes. We're not going to tell you how to do it. But, hey, if you figure it out and you hunt down some shit, you'll cheat the system and make a bunch of money. Like, yeah, yeah. This vaccine thing. Except this is like people's like livelihood. I cannot believe it. For sure. No, I was sitting in that parking <laughs> lot staring at KFC and I was like, as the sun was rising and I'm just like, this is America. Like this is America in a nutshell, you know, like totally. our citizens, your citizens are lined up outside in the dark, wrapped up like little sausages for hours. Hoping to maybe get, <laughs> maybe get a vaccine. A vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. Wild so wild a free vaccine too not even something it's not even like we're trying to get something that is free that normally you'd have to pay for it's a vaccine that like if you don't have insurance the government will cover it that's what's wild to me about it yeah so like it should be just happening it should be so easy mm -hmm. huh yeah that is wild yeah you'd imagine it you'd be like you know i don't know because it's like like a third world country with like a veneer (laughs) absolutely it's also like yeah, like I was trying to get a vaccine before my eligibility date, but there are people who are eligible who don't want vaccines. And and mm. it's kind of like if I want to get vaccinated and I want to do the right thing for our global health system, like I feel like people should just be able to, you know, like I think they should definitely have opened it up for like 65 for like a certain amount of people first, just for like a month or how, but then now it's like, this weird like opening slowly and just making it really hard for people who really want to get vaccinated. It's just kind of like, mm-hmm. is that actually serving people? I don't, I don't know. But I know why is there such like, and also is the scarcity real? That's my question. It's like, is this because there's a genuine scarcity of the vaccine or is it just because the U S literally, I don't know. The condition of the U S is always like scarcity, figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. is it real? Is it a real scarcity or like a simulated scarcity? Yeah, I don't know. That's my question. Yeah. There's no way to tell what's going on. Um, because it's like, yeah, you say getting like... vaccinated on Friday. Oh, really? Because of her job? Yeah, she was super excited. She's been dying for it this whole time. She said she's going to cry when it happens because the pandemic really freaked her out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a moment like Chris was like, I feel like I could walk in front of a car right now. <laughs> he felt like invisible. Oh, because you guys are just hyped on that. Yeah. 
Yeah. It is. I mean, I've really tried to detach from the narrative, but when I really go into it, I'm like, this has been a year. It's been a year of, like, the entire world. Yeah. Do you feel within the narrative still? I don't know if it's, like, me being over here in Hawaii where it's, like, so not in your face. Like, literally the only time I feel like there's a pandemic is when you're inside an establishment. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Whereas in L.A., I felt like every step was, like, a step in pandemic nation. Mm-hmm. Do you still feel very in that world, or is it loosening up? Um, I, def- I think it goes in and out. I think it's almost just become more something that I've adapted to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I definitely still... Are f- people hanging out more? I think... Like, are people more willing to maybe be one-on-one or go to restaurants? Because it was so militant before, in, like, what, December? I don't know anyone that's going to restaurants, but I think it also just depends on your Mm -hmm. friend group. But people that I know, when I see people, it's for walks and it's for, like, outdoor people who have backyards and we sit outside. Do the masks, like, stay on outside or is it, like, we're outside, no masks? Um, if we're eating and the masks come off, but, like... Yeah. Yeah. But I, again, I think it just There's depends general, on yeah. who you're who you're friends with. And like part of what I wanted when I was like part of getting vaccinated what I, was I was just like I. It's just there are different people with different comfort levels. And if I come across someone who's at a different comfort level than me, then I, I really just want to be able to like be feel safe, you know, and feel like, OK, I can be OK now, you know. Yeah, it's a very, like, consenty practice. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So I guess, so you went to that same place April 12th, mm-hmm. and then you're set. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Very, and then your dad got vaccinated. Bella's going to get vaccinated. My dad is, like, so anti-vax. He's, oh. like, he literally, like, since the vaccine came out, has been, like, in the group chat, like, the family group chat, like, just sharing those, like, rare articles that are, like, 12 people, like, got a rare blood disease and I'm just like I don't know I don't don't oh my gosh (laughs) love my dad a lot of great spiritual insight but he is always ready to uh uh you know he trusts spiritual vaccines did we ever because did you do that second one too I did I did that second one but I also like imagined it as a real vaccine too like I did it as sort of a manifestation thing as well I felt a tickle. I'll tell, so let's say what happened. So basically at the very beginning of the pandemic, um, in Brazil, there's this thing called spiritism, um, which is just essentially like a blanket belief that there's a spirit world. And that's just like the dominant kind of like vibe over there. And so that's something my dad really, really follows and always has. And so there was, there's always kind of these like dispatches that come out of the spiritism community, you know, that are like, hey guys, you know, the angels are going to come down at this time. Like one of our channelers is speaking and they're going to come and they're going to do this for us. And my dad, you know, what's interesting is like, this has been my whole life of these kind of things, but it's like, they always have worked. (laughs) And I never know if it's because of a subconscious trust and like love for my dad in Brazil that makes me go for it but you know I'm always down my dad says oh we're doing this ritual listen to this chant I always say yes so this one was related to the pandemic and it said basically it said the angels are going to come down and they're going to vaccinate everyone who puts a band-aid on their left shoulder from uh like from this hour to this hour and it was like Brazil time or something so it was like while we were sleeping so 
I did it, and then I told all my friends who know my dad and, like, are aware <laughs> of these kind of rituals, and James and Chris did it, right? Yeah. Um, I did it. I think Brian and Tatiana did it, and um, a lot of the family in Brazil did it as well, and this is actually very interesting, is I have a very big family in Brazil, and most of them did the Band-Aid ritual with my dad, and one family didn't, and they were the only family to get COVID Wow. <laughs> in my family. Which is like, you know, I'm not, it's just, it could be a coincidence, but kind of crazy. Of course, my dad loved that. Not loved (laughs) that they got COVID, but was very, you know, he was like, the one family, they didn't listen. He was like, they don't, they don't believe me. (laughs) Anyways, so I got these cute pictures from like James and Chris and like a couple other friends of them with the band-aids. All of us went to sleep with the band-aids. That was it. That was the ritual. The angels vaccinated us at night spiritually. Um, I will say none of those people got COVID, just coincidentally. And then two we- uh not two weeks ago, two days ago, um, there was another one, another dispatch that was like the second vaccine. And uh, <laughs> it was a meditation where you'd lay down and expose your left arm for five to ten minutes and just lay there and just tell the angels that you were there for the vaccine. <laughs> and yeah, I did it. And of course, I did feel like a tingle in my arm and all that kind of vibe, which once again, you never know if it's the angel or the the result of focus on a body part but that is that's the vaccine I got (laughs) well I like you got I like that a lot because the thing with those like the thing that can happen with those sorts of things is then it's like people walk without masks and it's kind of like okay well uh, uh, you know but the instructions clearly mm-hmm. say, like, continue to, like, follow the physical, the guidelines of the physical the realm. Rules. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. I will say, yeah, I will say that's important. Is like, in both dispatches, at the end, it was, like, still follow the rules of the earth. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, that, I'm really glad you reminded me of that. That is such, that is beautiful. But, yeah, it well, was, that's like, why this is a spiritual I, like, help. That's why I, like, did it the first time and the second time. Because I thought, you mm-hmm. know, this isn't someone who's completely unaware of the fact that we are living in in the world you know and that mm-hmm. you know that really like helped me open my trust to this this medium or the portal that we were yeah, yeah. and that's how spiritism is and I've noticed that from the beginning it's like I didn't grow up in a household that was like you know spiritual bypassing it was like oh we're spiritual beings on earth and there's rules that are that go back and forth and yeah I really admired that they were like yeah still wash your hands still do the masks like follow earth rules mm-hmm. but the angels are on your side, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I will say pretty fucking nuts that, you know. Because it was kind of, that was another aspect of this, like, angel uh, COVID thing was, like, well, now there's this experiment at play, which is, like, I get to find out if it works or, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, and it went pretty well, you know. So, yeah, spirit vaccines and... Real vaccines. Does COVID feel like it's ending? I mean, it, it feels like it's on its way out for sure. But I, yeah, I, I don't know. I still feel very like my lifestyle probably won't change too much until much, mm-hmm. until many more months. I think, you know. Yeah. One of my dad's friends died. That's like the only severe. Mm. I think you've met him, my dad. But it was, you know, I will say I'm not gonna say it's his fault, but he kept smoking cigarettes. He was my dad's, um, did you ever met Louise? I feel like like I did, yeah. He was intense. Like, as a kid, he would have been scary. Like, he was, he had this raspy voice. He was from Rio, so he had this, like, intense, like, 
raspy Rio voice and he was just like I don't even know why they were friends <laughs> like like he wasn't a bad guy I, I mean he just was like wild but um he would come over <laughs> but he was one of like I think my mom didn't really like him you know he was like one of those friends that was like where did this man come from and, like <laughs> um but he uh it was the first time I experienced cigarettes was him mm. coming over and like needing to step outside on the balcony and smoke cigarettes and me just being like, what is he, like, why does he go out there? And then he'd, like, leave the cigarette butts, like, in, like, a plant pot. Uh, which I'm sure your mom hated. Oh, yeah. She was just, like, you know, he just never was right with her. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he was so loud. <laughs> Anyways, so the first time I experienced cigarettes and cigarette smell was this guy, right? But he would come. He would visit. He would get mail at our house. Like, my dad always, his Brazilian friends would always get mail at his house. Um, <laughs> one of the big mailers just constantly getting bills. And he got COVID. We all knew it. And we knew it would be bad because he was the biggest cigarette smoker. Like, I'm talking, like, three mm-hmm. packs a day type guy. Mm-hmm. And the COVID made him even more stressed, so he smoked more. Wow. Which is super psycho. And he just kept doing that. And then one day he just disappeared, and wow. my dad um, said that he, because my dad would get his credit card bills in the mail, his friend's credit card bills in the mail, um, but they would always be paid, like, they would just, like, steadily come, and they stopped coming, and it was, like, this disconnect, and my dad had to, like, find find out, like, he had, like, to go through, like, a big network of friends to find out, because it's not, like you know, they're still in the generation where things aren't even on Facebook, really, you know, Mm -hmm. and he just, like, found a network of friends, and, yeah, he passed from COVID. Wow. And cigarettes, and so that's the only real-life person I can say that I know died. Yeah. That was pretty wild. Yeah, it's sad. He had a son who I think I played pool with once when I was, like, 11, but, yeah, yeah, R.I.P. Louise. R.I.P. Louise. (laughs) anyway damn yeah but it's also like man he was just smoking like it wasn't a tragic story he his whole life was fast and loose i remember he had like babies like all over the brazil like you know Mm -hmm. it was like he was he was a pirate (laughs) you know yeah yeah he was a pirate man um any of our friends get it we had an asymptomatic friend Right? Who kept getting tested positive but had zero symptoms. We had an asymptomatic COVID friend. Remember? It was like her oh. family got COVID and then she was like oh, yes, yes, asymptomatic yes. for like two months it felt like. Yeah. 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 I know someone. That's I know like a it. handful of people that got it. My grandmother on my dad's side was in an assisted living home and we found out mm. that people all throughout her building were getting COVID. And it was Whoa. sort of early on, and they weren't being upfront about it. And then finally, when they told mm, us, it I was like it. overrun. Yeah, so um, mm. that was kind of a a nail biter. But she's okay. So I think mm. she got vaccinated. I'm so glad she's okay. Yeah, she's a cutie. That's awesome. Yeah, the um, fr- the upfrontness really bugs me. I felt very. I think COVID. I was also reading the Four Agreements again, and they brought this up, and it was like there's this like shame in being like upfront about bad news, and there's a shame in asking questions mm-hmm. and things. And I just think, like, COVID made that so apparent where it was, like, what we really needed was, like, transparency, but not only that, but, like, comfort on both ends to, like, understand that, like, bad news needs to be received with grace and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, we need to tell people things immediately. And I just felt very aware of people's, like, shame around, like, health and that vulnerability 
more than ever, and I was reading the Four Agreements, and they were talking about, you know, there's that um, chapter, Don't Make Any Assumptions, Mm -hmm. and it said, um, we live in kind of a society that is so afraid to ask questions, Mm -hmm. and so afraid to get the true story, that we just live off of assumption half the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And that really hit me, this this read-around, I don't think I, that hit me in the past, but really got me thinking, especially with this covid stuff you know yeah absolutely i do feel like lack of transparency led to more conspiracies than we needed to have <laughs> yeah totally because it's like you can't blame you people for looking unknown. for for answers and finding them and then just latching on because you know what really feels real anymore is is really hard to say in a lot of mm-hmm. ways absolutely well, cheers to this seeing it, seeing itself to an end. Yeah, absolutely. And you making out of this with not even, <laughs> not a drop of COVID. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, like I still need that second vax, but so I'm gonna knock on wood, which I know Chris would do. But yeah, this month, oh just, like, Joey down. thinks I knocked on the door. <laughs> That's really funny. Like literally, like dog reality. Yeah. Has dog. <laughs> what can that tell us about our perceptive illusions? James knocked on a wall. The dog barks. What does that say? What do we react okay, to that um, isn't real? Should we go into Club Hoose? Right. So you and I finally delved into the world of Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't know what that is, we will explain. It's basically this new app that's invite only. I've been hearing about it for a few months now, um, especially because it's such a proximity to the podcast community because it's basically an app where you have an icon, you have one photo of your face, and the entire app is based in voice notes and recordings. So a way to say it is like you enter the app and then you'll see something that says, hey, the tech for women group is open <laughs> and they'll be like maybe a group of speakers and listeners and there'll be like maybe let's say like six people um who have their microphones open talking into their phones having a discussion all you can see is their one icon it isn't like a it's very much like a listening experience and then there's an audience listening and the audience has the option to raise their hand which if they get approved by one of the speakers they get to join the conversation or at least ask a question and it's kind of just like a digital, like, hall, like a digital, like, a, yeah, like, conversation. Yeah, you know? it feels like a giant, just like, tons. phone call. And anyone can do it. So you go on there and you'll see, like, you know, some, like, tech podcaster leading a tech thing with thousands of people listening. But then you'll see, like, your weird friend doing, like, you know, four people in a room roasting each other. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Um, and (laughs) I had a really funny experience when I started. How did you, what was your first, like, (laughs) so I just like, like impression. (laughs) Well, I got on because I thought I was going to get on through you. And so I made a username and then Mm -hmm. they were basically like the code that you have is your code, Gabby's code, and I can't use it. So I had my username available, and I guess what happens is when you hold a username, it goes into some portion of the app, and people who are already in Clubhouse can see that their friend is trying to join. And so I got (laughs) – randomly, I was picking up, like, to-go food with Chris, and I got a notification being like, "Um, Jody 
uh, let you into Clubhouse. And this is a woman who I used to work for. She owned like a crystal shop. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I used to do paint signs for her. Yeah. This is actually funny. There was this, there was this little, it was a yoga studio and in front of it was like a gift shop with like yoga stuff and like crystals, but really cool jewelry actually. She had a good eye. Yeah. Um, And you worked there for a while and then I used to exchange signs, like the chalk sign that she would put out in the sidewalk. I would do it every season in exchange for jewelry and then Mm -hmm. it got to a point where I like didn't need jewelry anymore (laughs) you know and I was like I should probably work for money (laughs) exactly exactly so that's what I need (laughs) so she's like a really cool Venice person and she she's great she let me in um so I was really surprised and I guess I just didn't really add too many contacts because whenever a social media app is like add your contacts it's like oh you mean a quarter of the people that I don't talk to anymore and like can't remember. Oh, I know. You know? So I just yeah. don't add them. And so I added a really small so many. amount of people and kind of was like, I'll just get back to it. Um, and it was like, are you sure your clubhouse is going to be pretty quiet? And I just was like, yeah, I'm sure. You said that to you? Yeah. I was said like, your place oh is going to be pretty quiet. <laughs> okay. I was thinking about that recently, how much I hate like internet shame like that. Like when you, go to a website and they're like put your email in here to claim 15% off and then it says yes or like no I don't want deals and like a great life (laughs) you know and you have to like click on that yeah it's like a bad affirmation it makes me lose so much respect for like whatever company that is yeah 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 like okay like asshole (laughs) I know I know it's like I'm curating my experience on purpose thank you um (laughs) so (laughs) so yeah so I closed it and then as but I was also still freaking out about just getting invited by someone kind of random. So I kept talking about it to Chris and I was like, I bet you, I said to Chris, I was like, I bet you would know a lot of people on Clubhouse. I I have like mm. one invite because they give you actually two invites immediately. <laughs> and I said, why don't I invite you and we can just see what happens. And so he, he did it. He went on, got his name. And immediately there was like a group call that <laughs> formed that was like, the Chris for welcome Chris. welcome call <laughs> okay exactly yeah that's what happened did he join it okay so he answered the call and then accidentally hung up on them and then he went back in oh nice and it was just like five people <laughs> from college from work like an assortment of people <laughs> who were probably so hyped to talk to him <laughs> but I guess they alert people like this person just joined do you want to welcome them and so they sort of the app sort of pulls you into this group chat. Yeah, I've been seeing that now that I'm on it. I see people joining and then being like, this person's here. Do you want to welcome them? You yeah. Know? I had the welcome experience, too, because the second I got on, it was like, Aubrey wants to invite you. And Aubrey is this guy who six years ago or something, <laughs> um, I was working at Blick and he, I was like 23 and he was like <laughs> 29. Um and he was just this guy from the UK, strong British accent. And he was just very cool, contemporary artist guy. And we went on one date to the Hammer Museum. But he, like, we've kept, like, you know, like, we've loosely, like, been in each other's circles. He's still in my contacts. And he, like, welcomed me. And then I, like, open it. And I don't know what's going on, right? Like, I had just opened the app. And I just, like, open it. And I don't know what's going to happen. And I just click, like, okay. Like, I think it's going to be a DM. And then I just hear his, like, accent be like, Gabby! (laughs) (laughs) 
He was like, hello, wow. And I was like, <laughs> and that's basically we had a conversation where the whole time I had to try not to do a fake British accent. Does that, ha- <laughs> does, that- <laughs> does that happen to you with people like from the UK where you just like want to join in? Okay, when I, so I tried to, when I worked in a restaurant, I worked really closely with this, with this woman from Eastern um, Europe and I had a problem where I would I would slip into a fake Ukrainian accent around her. And she would look at me like, what are you doing? And then I would have to correct myself. But I am like, just sort of like imitated the, the for some reason, it's a Eastern European that I fall into really easily. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in you. Yeah. So I get that. Yeah, I have that with British accents. Even if I'm around my dad too long, I start like speaking broken English. I'm like, wait, no, I know how to speak English, you know? <laughs> like I start kind of like when I was in Brazil, I started almost like speaking English worse because I was like mirroring how they were communicating with me and I was like no I I know how to speak English (laughs) that's amazing I was like yes I go to store (laughs) I'd be like dude are you okay anyways yeah so I was trying not to like trying so hard you know especially because it's like he wasn't in front of me he was like in my yeah phone so I really just wanted to be like hi Um, but he, yeah, we had actually a great conversation and he was really into Clubhouse. Like he made me, I mean, that welcome was like probably what the app wants because he was like saying that it was this great adults app and cryptocurrency and all these oh, things. Oh, that's interesting and... because I, te- so I texted Jody because I'm like a six year old woman and I was like, need to send a thank you. <laughs> so I said like, Hey, Jody, thank you so much for inviting me, blah, blah, blah. Like, can't wait to meet your daughter. I just, like, went into this long thing. And then she just said, like, and this is a woman who owned a business but was always pretty flighty, like, kept her money in, like, a pencil case. And you had, like, one key that could open the register to open the pencil case. Like, and she was like, hey, like, so excited for you to be on Clubhouse. It really got me. Um, so much more knowledgeable about Bitcoin. Like you, I had no idea. And I was like, Jody, that's kind of what I want, but I still don't understand. (laughs) I know she's a, she's something. So there you go. I do feel like cryptocurrency is appealing to like spiritual communities. Like I do see the connect. Mm -hmm. I think it's appealing to so many people at this point. Spiritual people love the ether. Ethereum. Yeah, that's that other, that tripped me the fuck out because I was looking into the NFT thing, which I still don't understand. We can get into that. But um, I saw that the other cryptocurrency is Ethereum, which is really different than Bitcoin. Still don't get it. But it, the fact that it was called Ethereum really <laughs> was all I needed to trust it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, this, because money is already floating in the ether and then we have tangible symbols of it, like a credit card or paper money or whatnot. But, you know. It's almost like cryptocurrency speaks to the actual nature of it and takes the bullshit out, but then it's still so confusing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was reading um, a little bit about cryptocurrency just because of the NFT thing. And something with Ethereum that makes it different than Bitcoin is, and I didn't know this Mm -hmm. and I thought this was really interesting, is Bitcoin, there's a limited amount of Bitcoin. And so there's only, Mm. there can only be 21 million coins ever that at one time that can be found oh, ever and so hmm. the way that the the person designed oh, so the code mm. is the last mm-hmm. bitcoin won't be found until 2140 
Um, and at this point, there's like 18 Jeez. million Bitcoin that have been found. But the more that you find, the harder they get to to discover. It's like going up le- levels in a video are, game. How are they hidden? They're hidden in an algorithm in, in a code, I guess. And so the thing with Bitcoin mm-hmm. and with with um, cryptocurrency in general is it is actually terrible for the environment because you have to have computers constantly mining and it takes a lot of energy because you need really high-powered, fast computers. But what are – I just don't understand what's being mined. Like, does that, does that something that you understand? Like, he made Bitcoins. He hid them, what, in, in algorithms? Like, I just want, like, a – is basically, there a physical way to explain that? It's as if you're hiding Easter eggs, and so you hide them in a field. And the field is, as far as I understand it, a code. And so the hmm. – computers mine them or look for the easter eggs and mm-hmm. there there's a limited number of eggs but i don't but really... I guess my question is what is the field and what is the easter egg like it's all digital it's all just... it's all just digital like code mm. essentially like symbols like just okay. computer things you know it's you're, you a person doesn't like physically do it as far as i can tell it's like a, a computer that you set about doing it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so it's One like a computer a computer like goes through and tries to to un to like break the code to discover like a bitcoin mm-hmm. is from what I, from my understanding that this guy made who just sits back and says ha 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 everyone's mining it's a it's a um anonymous person <laughs> That they don't know who who created this whole system, which is wild to me. Um, and what? Yeah, <laughs> that like hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing with Ethereum oh is it's it's not limited, and so with Bitcoin, there people start to break apart Bitcoins because you can only have so many. And right now, one Bitcoin at, at this mm-hmm. time is worth something like sixty thousand dollars. Um, and with Ethereum, it's not limited. So there's, there can always be more Ethereum, but they're, they're actually something that I learned about Ethereum that made me like it more and NFTs in general, because NFTs for the most part, I think are purchased with Ethereum. Um, Mm. they're in, they are in July, they're doing an update on Ethereum to make it more eco-friendly because at this point, like, it's just going to, like, contribute to the demise of our planet so quickly if everyone gets involved in this. So somehow they're making the process mm. more, like, green, which is which is good um, and made me feel better. <laughs> but Yeah, wow. But basically, like, Man. it is a whole thing that I obviously don't fully understand, but, um, but NFTs – oh, sorry, go ahead. When we went to Wall Street. No, I was going to say, remember when Bitcoin first hit the scene and you were really excited about it and so was your dad and we were in New York and it was like 2015 or something and we went to the Bitcoin, like, it was like a tiny store in like Wall Street yes, or something. Yes, 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 And you bought a shirt for your dad. Yeah. Think about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and it was kind of this thing that could have caught on or could have not and now we're, I don't know. Now we're here. Now we're here talking about how it's a threat to the environment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I totally bought a shirt for my dad. 
It was like a weird storefront too. It looked like it used to be like a donut shop or something, and it was just a guy behind a counter. Yeah, and I just remember the whole area was under construction. Yeah, and it was in the middle of I Wall remember. Street. It was like <laughs> fully in, in amongst the buildings of Wall Street. So, and everyone was so corporate looking. Ugh, I love it. <clears throat> but man, but NFTs are basically an NFT can be anything. Um, and it stands for non-fungible token. And so also I was listening to this British podcast called Talk Art and they go into it. If anyone really wants to get like full detail, I recommend the most recent episode Talk on Talk Art. Mm. Um, and they're British and they call it. I will probably watch that. And, and instead of NFTs, they call it nifties, which I actually really like. So um, <laughs> like that a lot. <laughs> so with nifties, you can't take apart you can't break something down um you, you can't t- break a, a nifty down because it's it's not fungible mm. and so when you assign something to a nifty that's when it becomes um something you can't break down so art when you assign a piece of art like digital art to um ethereum then it becomes a non-fungible token if that makes sense and that's what like happened with Beeple when he sold at Christie's. He sold it for like sixty. He sold a digital art piece for sixty nine million dollars to an anonymous buyer. Yeah. So you guys, Beeple is an artist that kind of made the NFT thing hit the scene really hard because he sold like what do you say what was it a digital piece for how much? Sixty nine million Ethereum coins though, right? Well, I think it was in Ethereum, but I think it was sixty nine million dollars. And I think it was, but it was in what? Ethereum. I think, I mean, I'll check that. Okay. I have seen, I have seen that because I was looking at actually Devendra Banhart is like having an NFT auction. I think it's over, but all last week, it was like every two days, there was a new NFT auction of one of his pieces, which were, because an NFT, you guys, is always like a digital piece. So Devendra had an art show that was all physical paintings, and then he had an online um auction which was essentially digital drawings that were slightly animated so it was like drawings he had done put them in the computer animated them slightly to like sway and then added an an original score um so it'd be like a a minute it would be like a minute long not even a video it felt more like a gif but was definitely a video of just a song he made over a drawing he made moving a little bit and there was auctions, and I remember being so confused because I, at this point I still thought that NFTs were a new art medium where people were essentially owning a digital piece. Like, I just thought it was a new, like, I thought it was real dollars. Um, but when you go there, it says, like, 126 ETH, and then under it it says, like, $5,000, like, USD, which I think is, and that's how much things were selling for. Mm-hmm. And then I was just so confused and I was like, so is that the cryptocurrency's value? And if that's the cryptocurrency's value, then are you able to just like transfer it right away and have real money? Like that's what confuses me is like, does it ever, is it this elusive thing (laughs) or is it like, oh, I can, you know, go to the Ethereum bank and say, hey, I have this much and it equals this much. Can I, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I don't understand that um, foreign Foreign money. Yeah. Man. I'm like, for me, I'm like, should I go into this? Should I find, like, that YouTube video that's going to explain everything to me? Or do I just not get involved, (laughs) you know? I think, I mean, what's interesting about it is, like, 
now that the Beeple thing happened, it's going to become a lot more digestible and approachable for people everywhere. And something that I found out on this podcast mm-hmm. is um, with the Christie's auction, 91% of people who mm-hmm. bid on that Beeple artwork were completely new to Christie's. We're like first time wow. bidders. And so that to me just shows mm. that this is like really opening up the art world in a way um, and generating like a level of excitement and accessibility. And also with NFTs, 10 percentage of of sales, future sales goes to the artist. So people who like flip art mm. and buy something and then resell it again, it's not like the artist is completely left mm. out anymore, which is really amazing and, and definitely changes the game, especially for mm. digital artists. Oh, wow. It's just like it gets me so excited and then I just don't, but I don't know why. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I just get so hyped on all this, but that I have no tangible. I just need a guide. You know, I think with. I just need someone to come into my life that, like, understands it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you should start listening to I that think podcast. I think with Banhart, for example. I think I will. What was it? Art Talk? Talk Art. Talk Art. Yeah. <laughs> talk Art. Talk Art. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting there. There was that an article you sent me, and some of our conversations have been helpful. But, but I guess the question is, is this something that you're interested in, like, observing or getting involved in? I think that's my question, where it's, like, observing it. Because for us, both of us, is like, we make digital art. Right. You know what I mean? And, like, when we hear about these things, it's not just like, oh, that crazy thing that's happening in the art world. It's like, holy shit, is this something that I should try to understand and try to, like, yeah get into? And I think that's what the tension is for me, is it's not like hearing about some crazy, like, music scene thing and being like, oh, that's interesting about culture. It's like, holy fuck, like, is this... Mm-hmm. Do I jump on the train? Totally, <laughs> totally, totally. Somebody messaged me and was like digital resting points they were like imagine if you nftized that mm-hmm. and i was like i don't know how the fuck to do that but mocha did repost them mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so i have that on my side for value i just don't i don't fucking know yeah if anyone out there's a bitcoin consultant <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it would have to be asking for a, things an ethereum consultant because ethereum consultant yeah which I really, I feel that title. They did really well naming that. Because Bitcoin was like, LOL. And then Ethereum's <laughs> like, dude, okay. Like, yeah, sounds like the first city on Mars or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Especially because, like, I have always made videos just for, you know, the cliche reason of for myself. And now it's like, oh, are these videos? Mm. Because you can, you could never monetize a video unless you, like, made a video for someone's music or something. Like, that's just not... Mm-hmm. And I don't have interest in that. And so this, yeah, it is definitely kind of slowly dawning on me that it could, this could apply to me, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm thinking of digital art as well in the tangible sense, because it's still hard for me um, to understand anything that exists that ethereally, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like purely digital. But the digital art that I was starting to become interested in, which I feel like could have a crossover, especially if people are purchasing NFTs and being the original owner, is I remember at Soho House in the lobby they had, um, it was like a digital panel and the size was maybe like 20 by 24 or something. It was like a rectangle. And it was just this video of a guy who was completely painted with this pattern and in this outfit. But it was very beautiful. Like when I say that, I think you probably imagine like, a terrible splatter but it was like these earth tones very well done and then he put himself behind um 
like a paper curtain that was the exact same pattern that he was wearing and then he used scissors to cut holes and you were, you were kind of confused about what was the paper and what was the guy and it was really beautiful and it would just play on a loop in the lobby and it was like just a piece of like video art that played on a loop and that was the first time where I was like you know what like there's something to this you know but like are we going to live in a world where people are comfortable having a screen in their house? Like, I could see that in an office or a lobby makes sense. You know what I mean? Nobody's, like, has to turn off at the end of the night and go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know? But it's, like, is that something that's ever going to be appealing to, like, the home? I mean, I guess if you're choosing when to turn it off and on. I mean, how would you feel, A, about having something like that in your home mm-hmm. and be creating art? like that for someone else's home like something that is on a screen I would love to make things like that for someone's home because that you're basically creating like a little portal that's alive um Mm -hmm. and I don't I couldn't see myself having a screen I see myself having a projector that projects the piece Mm -hmm. um yeah if that could be something that would be arranged but but um Terrell you know Terrell does pieces that are sort of like the best version of that, you know, in people's homes. Like, but they're still not screens. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like light play. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I think it's more ambient and like not too far fetched. Right. Yeah. Ambient. Definitely. I think, I think I would never, I could just never really see myself having a screen. Um, but I could see myself having like an NFT that's projected. Mm hmm. Yeah, I guess I just really wonder if, like, because we're in a generation where screens are something you turn off and on, mm-hmm. and it's, like, a experience, you know, and I wonder if the future generations are going to be so used to them that they become, I don't know, just, like, ambient. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's possible. I really wonder, because it is possible, because, I mean, for us, it's, like, we were right on the cusp of it being like, oh, the computer turns gets turned off at this hour, like the TV, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Even TVs, they're in certain households, they're ambient. You know, yeah. in Brazil, the TV was on twenty four seven, even if no one was watching it. I wonder, you know. I wonder, wonder. Do you you don't feel like you could have a screen, in your home? I mean, I think about how I have that like orb light on all the time. I think I could. It would just... I don't know. I think I definitely could. If it was an artist I really respect, I think I absolutely could. And I think I would see it as art. But it would have to be in, you know, a common area. But I think I could have something on 24-7 on a screen, like, if I'm being honest. Yeah. But I've never had that. Like, I'm looking at my house right now, and I'm like, oh, it's so peaceful because it feels so, like, wooden. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, the screen is, is just this tiny thing that I can, like, clap shut at any time. But thinking about it is like yeah maybe my tolerance for what a screen means or that it's this consuming energy is like getting lower yeah I don't know I don't know but madness I was thinking about um that show that we saw of David Hockney's where he made like paintings on his iPad Oh, yeah, and he blew them up really big. Yeah, and, like, now he could just sell those as NFTs. Very true, and he probably is already. Mm -hmm. Um, If you guys aren't familiar, David Hockney is a very iconic painter, California painter. 
And about five years ago, when we were living in Venice, uh, L.A. Louvre, which is a gallery right by the ocean, one of the only few that are by the ocean that aren't like <laughs> souvenir cafe type galleries, but like a true gallery, <laughs> um, was there. Really beautiful. Um, and there was a time, yeah, he was, he's very old now. He's in a wheelchair, um, definitely not producing as much work as he used to in paint form, but he started painting on his iPad and they blew these paintings up to just like huge sizes. I mean, it was like 48 by 72s, all the same size also, which was interesting is like you walked in and there was just these beautiful, I mean, you know, but clearly digital, like just that, that like paint, that paintbrush quality where it's like sort of transparent and like whatever and they were framed they were blown up really big and framed and it was this huge show a huge opening and they things were selling but the thing is I felt like that show relied so much on the fact that it happened once do you know what I'm saying mm. like it wasn't like David Hockney is doing sculptures now and he's going to do this for a few years it was like David Hockney decided to do some digital paintings and right like it was so reliant on the context that it was like a new funky thing that this old traditional guy is doing yeah but it's not something that anyone could do and also not something that he should keep doing, right. you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was like that one show made it funky and interesting. And it, I guess it, po- I guess what it is, is like a show like that poses questions, mm-hmm. but it's not a body of work that needs to like continue being explored, you know? Yeah. It's a novel situation. Super novel. Yeah. Interestingly. Like, are we going into the era where it's not novel anymore? Um... Well, I, I don't know. I well, I just had a fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, the piece that just sold um, every day, the first five thousand by Beeple, he's it's the third most expensive piece by a living artist, and so it's um the, the most expensive piece by a living artist is Coons. The second is Hockney, which I had mm. no idea. Didn't and, know that. Would not have predicted that. And the third is Beeple. And then the fourth is Coons again, which is insane. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow, this Beeple guy, dude. <laughs> he kind of annoys me. No, I read about, I mean, that article. <laughs> I, I've never seen his face or anything, but it, it did feel like, why, why does he annoy you? Well, he annoys me a little bit because, like, his website is Beeple-crap.com. <laughs> and he, he says, like, oh, yeah. he's quoted as being be like, annoyed. I drive a shitty Toyota Corolla. He has, like, the vibe of, like, a DIY punk kid, but he lives in, like, South Carolina and has a family, and you're kind of, like, it's it feels like a, a disparate mm. personality <laughs> pieces. And Yeah, we all know those fucking guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's, like, you know, I think you only have, like, a certain amount of years where you're allowed to be, like, yeah, dude, I just have a beat-up Corolla and, like, live my life. And yeah. it's, like, okay, when you're the third most expensive living artist it's like not like cute anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it never was cute change. but we were it was allowed yeah. <laughs> people yeah no totally and of course the city that's you know what's funny about that too is it's like we're at an age now where like whether you're people or not like that shtick doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, remember, it was, like, cool. It was, like, I'm just a dude in a band living my life. I got this beat-up thing off Craigslist. Life is happening. And now we're, like, at the latter end of our 20s. And it's, like, okay, like, that's not... <laughs> <laughs> Where's your hotel? No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. like, yeah. it's just not... Well, it's just, like, the, the it's vibe just of, that like... identity. It's, yeah, it's the vibe of being, like, I didn't... I don't know, like, whatever. It's just... I'm just hanging <laughs> out, like... 
I don't believe that anymore. Like this guy's done a a piece of art. He's created a piece of art every day for the past five thousand days, and mm-hmm. he's still like doing the performance of like, you know, <laughs> just this grungy guy. Yeah. It's kind of like own the the person that you are because obviously there's a sense of commitment mm-hmm. to your work. But who am I? I who am I to say? It wasn't but. the piece. <laughs> Well, I mean, it sounds like a defense mechanism to me, you know, when people are like, and I I have this really distinct experience where, you know, I'm not going to say any names, but I was dating someone who played Coachella Mm -hmm. and I'll never forget meeting. And one of the people on the bill was a musician that was just doing really well. And he was in two bands and both bands made it that year. And I, we ran into them backstage and they were like, I can't wait to get out of here, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, this guy. So successful. You know, imagine that. You know, you're focused, you're committed to music since you're a teenager. And you're at Coachella. You're backstage at Coachella. You're being treated like a fucking king. And you say, I can't wait to get out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, I can't wait to get out of here, dude. Like, this festival. Like da-da. And I was just like, every time I heard that from people, I just thought it was so psychotic. And it was like, I mean, maybe you get to a level where you're jaded. But these guys were like literally like local level bands like this them being invited to Coachella was groundbreaking and I'll never forget that and it really put me off and I was like I think that's something men do especially men in creative industries because those are more vulnerable in industries Mm. where like you know they have to be you know it's like (laughs) the guy at Coachella was has these intense heartbreak songs he's like such his whole persona is this emotional guy and then it pays off and, you know, he has to have his masculinity that says, like, well, this is crap. This is shit, yeah, you know? Yeah, People. His, the piece that sold was he made a digital art every day for seven years. This man made a digital <laughs> piece of art every day. It was, like, seven years, I think, right? That's what it said. And then he made it into a grid and that's what he sold for millions of dollars. And then he's going to sit there and be like, I'm just a guy in a Corolla. And it's like, okay, babe, like... <laughs> have fun with that I mean whatever you need to balance your psyche yeah that is true it, I'm being too hard on him it definitely is like he's probably just adjusting and that and also up until that point you know digital artists probably didn't expect to have I mean I'm speaking from experience as a digital artist like a video mm-hmm. artist I don't I didn't expect to ever make a living off of my work so much so that it's not something I do as much anymore because I need to sustain a life, right? So, like, he's mm-hmm. probably <laughs> coming into this, like, this is not my beautiful life. This is not my car, <laughs> you know? I don't like the talking head song. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess there's a level of balance. I mean, if you're shining really bright, maybe it is wise to dim yourself so you don't blow out. Mm-hmm. That could be it, too. Yeah. Maybe men are just really smart. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> They're just really good at balancing energy, and we don't give them enough credit. No, <laughs> who knows? I doubt it. That's so funny. <laughs> One thing that I respect is that he said, like, he was like, "I'm gonna because because the whole controversy with uh, NFTs and cryptocurrency is the environmental aspect." He was like, "I'm gonna do my best to make sure mm-hmm. that future sales are not only carbon neutral but carbon negative." So we'll see how he like lives up to that. But it is nice that he does care about that aspect of things, you know, and isn't just like, fuck it, dude. <laughs> I'm glad you explained the environment thing. I just did not get that. I posted, like, in my story on Saisoon, I was like, <laughs> um, like, recommend me, like, clubhouses I should be part of, and I was like, things I'm interested in, and I was like, I would really love someone to explain me 
cryptocurrency and nfts and i got a couple messages of people like oh my god it's so bad for the environment like why do you like it and i was like girl i didn't invent it like <laughs> i don't know i didn't create the digital mining nation i'm just confused yeah 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 people really act like if you mention something that you're like <laughs> signing on to it entirely like a, yeah like you were like a yeah which is so nuts to me you're like not everything is spawn blocked <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's SpawnCon and, uh, you know, Tabloid Brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tabloid Brain strikes again. <laughs> uh, anything else? We're kind of in our, we're in our, like, the first recording was 35, this one's 35. Like, we're in our pocket. Oh, cool. Any final words? Any final <sighs> words? I hope you guys I mean, have a great day. Right now. <laughs> Um, I know what a funny, it's just a very funny time right now. Yeah. The narrative, like there's a narrative possibly ending. The pandemic narrative is possibly ending. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're still, you know, frivolously, (laughs) frivolously running from like concept to concept. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, how I feel is like like, digital. These moments are this moment right now. And I wrote about this in my newsletter but like we're in this period of like transition like the whole world is experiencing Mm -hmm. a transition and we're all kind of at different points on it Mm -hmm. but like that doesn't happen normally like yeah you could say the pandemic we were all like in it but at this point we're all figuring out like how are we coming out of it and that's going to be pretty interesting and a little bit messy but like it's it it makes sense that the energy is a little bit like frenetic <laughs> because it's yeah it's very funny like now we're faced with it's just like the pandemic was a mission you know what i mean it was a clear mission mm-hmm. you know it was like for one for probably the only time in our entire lifetimes will we experience the entire world on the same mission and like there was a sense of purpose there you know and it's mm-hmm. like what are we just gonna go back to i don't know yeah like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well like whatever what was it, happening. What like what my feeling personally and this is really the truth is like what was going on before? <laughs> like I guess yeah, because there was such a clear theme I of know. last of this past year. It's like what is mm-hmm. what is the future and what was the past and I had a friend who was really honest with me and was like I'm not going to say I'm scared to be out of quarantine, but like I've become such a homebody that, like, I don't necessarily, like, know how to end it or, like, feel like ending it. And I was, like, that is a very real thing. Like, I personally have become very, like, homebody-ish, too. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see myself, like, walking out the door one day and being, like, where is the bar? <laughs> or, like, you know. <laughs> oh, I, totally. But at the same time, like, I'd love to come visit you think... in Hawaii. And, like, I want to do that so mm-hmm. bad. You know, so there's, like, a there's different parts of my yeah feeling to it that's gonna happen for sure i think what's also chilling is that it's not like it's just gonna i can just see it just going back Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's like yeah stuff closed but a lot of stuff stayed open and a lot of stuff a lot of people saved money and got loans and probably gonna open businesses really soon like it felt like such what was so crazy about the pandemic was the narrative was so strong Mm -hmm. and there was certain levels of like you know for example finding out my uh, my dad's friend died like there was moments where it was like this is serious but it's like at the end of the day it is just gonna kind of hum back to normal and like I think that's what's so odd is like 
And I guess that happens with all life, you know, but it's just, (laughs) it's not as severe and it's not as light. It's just, it's very in between. And I think that's a strange thing to face. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it also is odd to me that like, obviously it will be more than a year, but like people are kind of treating it as like a year long thing because we got a solution within the form of a vaccine Mm -hmm. around the yearly point. And so everyone being like this, Mm -hmm. this year, this year and feeling like, it's so wild to me that like we receive this experience in in sort of a neat package of like pandemic shut down yeah. and then we got the vaccine like basically even before the year mark and now everyone's able to be like looking back and it's like okay we don't need to form a narrative so quickly like we're all still very fresh in this and like okay you know. that's how i'm feeling too because i saw tiktoks like you said your friend i saw tiktoks of people being like I don't want to go back to people expecting me to be on schedule and expecting things to be on time. And, and I was like, but is that even real? Like, you're probably just going to slowly dim back into it. And mm-hmm. then this will just be a weird memory. Like, it's it's very strange. Mm-hmm. And I do think with everything, we won't be able to understand its impact until we have some perspective on it and, like, until we can view it in hindsight. But yeah, in probably years, you know. Oh, absolutely. Because right now it was survival mode, you know what I mean? And I think even detaching from the narrative to me feels like a survival thing. For sure. Yeah. <coughs> Jesus. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's it's easier to create. I mean, this goes along with everything that we talk about, but it's easier to create a neat mm. narrative um, so you can package it up and put it away in your mind. But like it's the ramifications mm. good and bad and in between will unfold i mean i feel like over the next like three to five years like mm-hmm. just because that's just how long like it takes time to process things it takes time for systems to change or like adapt right mm-hmm. like i whatever happened <laughs> and is still happening mm-hmm. it there's just ripple effects with with everything it's just it's gonna be not in a bad way or a good way just that's just the truth of it i think mm. is we can't we can't like yeah, another piece end it so quickly the internet was bigger than the pandemic yeah <laughs> the internet coming that's bigger than anything the internet was bigger than the pandemic we surviving this yeah just in terms of like a life-changing like society culture altering like the pandemic is almost so close to humanity in the sense that it was just like a sickness, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas the internet coming. <laughs> well, the internet is, is a way of life now, whereas like the pandemic was like yeah. a harbinger of death, right? So like we're trying to get away from something mm-hmm. and the internet is something that we're trying to adapt with. Yeah. Yeah. I think the emotion I'm feeling that I'm trying to say is like what deserves my attention, I guess. You know, when we talk about digital stuff, cryptocurrency, what's on the internet, like, the pandemic narrative I should create, you know, it's like, I think this is a feeling I have today, and I'm gonna ask myself, is like, what deserves my attention? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? It's a good question. How does it? Well, I think also, like, how much of your attention, because you, I think it's important to be able to, like, figure out how not to entirely ignore something, and give it whatever it needs but not throw yourself fully into something at the same time yeah the zero the tunnel vision yeah true true right should we call it a day yeah (laughs) we all go i just had a friend uh a local 
person that I met text me and be like, I'm at the cafe working. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> I, have a, I have like a social life here. It doesn't make sense. That's so crazy to me. <laughs> I know it doesn't make sense at all. It's very of the times. But people are just very, it's just, I think culturally, it's just like people here are here to hang. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's no, there's way less boundaries than in the city. So you have to fight off friends. LA, you have to, like, find them. Damn, dude. Honestly, I'm down. (laughs) You're in that mood. It sounds nice. It sounds nice to just have, like... It is nice. Yeah. Socialization. It's, like, a very casual... Yeah, it's just, like, it's a smaller terrain. Like, there's just maybe, like, a small set of... There's, like, a handful of missions you could possibly be on, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And people just kind of take you along for the ride, and there's no pressure. It's very interesting. All right. Well, have a good time at your cafe. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Have a good time um, in your vaccine half period. Thank you. My half life. (laughs) It's really crazy. That was a really great story. I'm glad we got to get, like, that insight. Yeah, that was insane. (laughs) It's, like, a really (laughs) insightful, like... (laughs) vaccines in the u.s story that's crazy yeah all right guys have a beautiful week good luck on your vaccine hunt if you are hunting and um keep it up see you you later keep Keep going bye